just spend an hour or two hanging out at Jumpstart and helping people catch their beer, catch their coolers, catch their children, for God's sakes. Good evening, everybody. I'd like to welcome all of you wayward souls once again to an episode of the Wayward Stories podcast. Wayward Stories is where we tell your stories of adventure in the great outdoors and even a little bit of self-discovery in there. If you are indeed one of those wayward souls out there finding yourself, we'd like to hear those stories too. If you'd like to share your story, be sure to shoot us an email at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. And, um, you know, as far as getting in touch with us, man, hit me up on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, come find me. Like, go to the website, waywardstories.com. You can find links to all my social pages there. I'd love to hear from you guys. I'd love some feedback on the show. I love, I'm all about constructive criticism. We're always trying to grow and be better in all aspects of life, but especially in anything artistic and productive that I am doing, always trying to improve it. And the only way to improve is to know what people think about it. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, what are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to stay a little bit closer to home for me tonight anyway, and we're going to take a little trip over to the Mulberry River in the Ozark Mountains. The Mulberry River is designated as a national wild and scenic river. It is undammed, much like the Buffalo River. It is free-flowing 70 miles through the Boston Mountains in the Ozark National Forest. Um, Mulberry River has got a like special place in my heart that we're going to talk going to talk about tonight. The Mulberry River in and of itself is an amazing amazing experience altogether. And I think that's what we're probably going to actually name tonight tonight's episode is the Mulberry River experience. What can you do at the Mulberry River? Oh gosh, there are lots of things. First and foremost, what it's known for? Why is everybody going to the Mulberry River? It is a uh Great whitewater river when the water level is right. You get class one to three rapids depending on the water level and which rapid in particular you're talking about. There are several on the river. There are some that I like more than others. Um, And it's absolutely, it's a great river for whitewater. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute um, in more detail. But what else can you do other than just float the river? Well, you can camp. You can hike. You can fish upon it. There are lots of photographic opportunities. Um, if you are an OHVer, if you have a side-by-side, if you like to go off-trail, there's a lot to explore there. There's a lot of designated trails up in the Mulberry River area. That's another possibility for you. So lots and lots and lots of things that you can do anywhere that you choose almost along the Mulberry River. And we're going to talk about all of them in just a little bit of detail tonight, and some of them in a lot of detail. Um, the Mulberry River in my adult life has always been there as one of my destinations. You're going to go at least once a year. Even if you have other places that you're visiting more often, often, you're going to the Mulberry at least once a year. The trick is catching it when the water is right. Um, like I mentioned, you've got class one to three rapids. Um, and some of them are absolutely amazing. But it's all about catching the river at the right water level. So there's basically three generalizations that I can give you. Um, three Compart- Let's compartmentalize it into three categories. Um, the level anywhere from 1 to 2.5. Um, you know what? Let's do it this way. Let's categorize it. I think this is a good analogy to use here. Let's categorize this as if it were car races. Um, level 1.0 to 2.5. That's going to be basically rock crawling. That's like if you are a Jeep guy and you like to go out there and you like to rock crawl. It's going to be slow. It's You're going to be dragging your butt through a lot of rocks. Um, it's, it's okay. It's great for beginners. It's great to take kids out on because there's not a lot of dangers um, that are associated with the mulberry at higher water levels to go along with it. It's a lot more, um, it's a lot more tame at that level, but there's a lot of dragging. We're going to call that rock crawling. Now, 
from 2.5 to basically 4.0, 4.1, 4.2, somewhere in that area, but 2.5 to 4.0 for ease of understanding. That's going to be like Formula One racing. You ever watched a Formula One race? I know a lot of people have not because we're in the South. Everybody here watches NASCAR, but Formula One race are the ones where they go really, really fast through lots and lots and lots of hairpin turns and sharp corners. Um, that's kind of the best analogy if we're talking about car race terms here for the Mulberry at 2.5 to 4.0. This is where most of the Rapids are in their prime whitewater range. This is where you need some agility, you need skill, you need some training, some understanding um, to go out there and safely run the river, to safely pick your lines. You need to know what you're doing. And if this podcast ever gets big, there'll be lots of Arkansans that hear this and go, man, I go on that river every year and I ain't got no training. But you know what? We drag a lot of your bodies out of the river every year, too. Just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean that it won't. The river is very serious. The river is very serious. In that range, a lot of bad stuff can happen. I've been on that river so many times in my life, even long before I was ever in search and rescue. And let me just tell you something. The close calls are a plenty that I could look back on and tell you all about multiple, multiple close calls that I have seen or been a part of in my life on the Mulberry River. It's a very serious river. Um, but 2.5 to 4.0 is where it's going to be the most fun. It's also, like I say, brings the most dangerous, but it's when it's the most fun. And it's hard to catch it in that range. It's a mountain runoff river. Day or two after a rain, it comes up and it drops steadily for several days. So catching it on a day that you're off work, when the timing's right and all the logistics work, it's a little bit harder to do. Um, above 4.0, to continue with our car racing analogy, above 4.0, it's basically a drag race. All your rapids are washed out. You may have some corners and you're definitely going to have strainers and the river gets up into the, the forest it still has its associated dangers, but basically you just point the nose downstream and hang on. You're moving. There's not a lot of rapids to run. There's not a lot to concern yourself with, except for possibly spinning out in a big hydraulic somewhere and coming out of your coming out of your boat. Um, it's okay at that level. It's not my favorite. I did it last year. As a matter of fact, the last time I was on the river, it was like four four. And it was. It was just a drag race. Um, you can actually see the video of that day if you want to get an idea of what the river looks like above four feet um, on our YouTube, youtube.com forward slash wayward stories. Um, I think it's actually titled Mulberry, Mulberry River Cave because we found either a mine or a cave that day that in all my years on the river I've never seen. It looked like it had like recently the shoreline had been recently cleared out. And a few of the intrepid amongst us went up in there a little ways until it got kind of freaky deaky, um, like getting into mud that's like mid shin deep and kind of starting to descend into the depth of something. Um, it's pretty interesting, but yeah, go and check that out. Um, but you can get an idea of what the river's like at those levels. What I'm running into tonight, as far as challenges go to recording, is like basically the outline. I've spent so much time there and I've done so many things there. What is the best way for me to line it out? Because I also want these podcasts to be informative for anyone out there that, you know, definitely outside of our area, because we've already had listeners um, in Australia, in Europe. We've had listeners, a bunch of them in Seattle for some reason, up in the Northwestern and uh, the Pacific Coast area. That might have been from the Big Sur and the Yosemite episodes, but we've had a lot of listeners out there that might get a wild hair and want to come see our beautiful rivers and our beautiful mountains here in the Ozarks. So I want these podcasts to also be informational and kind of lined out in a little bit of an outline. I talk off the cuff. I do not script any of this, but I have an outline just off screen right here in front of me to kind of keep me on track. Because as we've learned in the first 11 episodes, I am quite tangential tangential. Yeah. And I like to chase rabbits down holes and I get off track and I have to have a little waypoint GPS marker to bring me back home. Um, get me back on trail. So let's see, let's do it this way. Let's 
Okay, from there, let's go into... In my bigger story that we've been taught, we talked about back in the first six episodes, we kind of strayed away from that, and that's fine. It's what I wanted to do, and that's where we went. But in my bigger story, the Mulberry River plays a big part in it, because when I mentioned in those first couple of episodes that when the wilderness started to call me back, and when I had too much free time on my hands after a very traumatic experience and I did not want to sit at home alone because I knew the depths of depression and things that awaited me if I did that. The Mulberry is where I went the most because it's roughly an hour and 20 minutes from me. Just about anywhere on the river, I can throw up my hammock for $15 a night. It was affordable. I can spend time in the river. I can be around humans. Um, you know, have you ever been in a place in your life where it's like you want to be around humans but you don't want to be with humans. I went through a big phase of that because after some very extreme traumas, sometimes you reach a point where it's like, you don't want to be alone, but you also don't want to be with anyone. So it's like, if I can just be around people and the river was a great way to do that. I go put up my hammock, spend a grand total of like 30 bucks for the entire weekend, have my hammock up, have a campfire at night, experience all the wonders that are up there that we're going to talk about when we get into um, the campgrounds and the things that the Mulberry has to offer a little bit later. Um, so it, it was like a very important friend to me. It's where I could go the easiest and the cheapest and give me something to keep my mind occupied and off of the crappy stuff. Um, and it was kind of perfect for me because the Mulberry River is beautiful, it is fun, and it also offers absolutely amazing smallmouth fishing. So I had three, two or three things that I love there. Got photography because it's beautiful, got fishing because it's fishing, got the river to kayak. Um, there's just so many ways that you can have a good time up on the Mulberry River. Um, you know, some of the things that well, I'll tell you what, let's talk through a basic weekend I would have up there. Give you guys an idea of how I enjoyed it, how it worked out best for me. Um, when it comes to camping, you have several concessioners that you can pick from. You can pick from Turner Bend. You can pick from Birds. You can also stay at some of the non-concessioner camping camping um, sites, which are U.S. Forest Service ran, which is going to be Wolfpin, Redding, um, and also anywhere in the National Forest, you have dispersed camping, which is basically pick a spot and camp, which is how we always camped while I was growing up down in the Washita National Forest. Um, the disclaimer warning there is if you're going to try to disperse camp in the Ozark National Forest, you need to be very careful about not being on private property because the vast majority of Northwest Arkansas, the Ozark Mountains, and I mean, even North Central Arkansas, it's mostly owned by private individuals. Like it is, there are very small sections of national forest and you need to be very careful about knowing when you are in them before you decide to just pick a camping spot and go. But dispersed camping is available to you in the Ozark and St. Francis National Forest, but St. Francis doesn't apply to us tonight. We're talking about the Ozark National Forest. Wolfpin They've only got six spots. Wolfpin's a pretty decent place, but they've only got six camping spots available, and all they have is a vault toilet. That is the only thing there. They don't even have running water. It is much more of a primitive experience, which I'm all for. I'm down for primitive. It's the cheapest, and it's also the way I like to camp. Um, Redding, I've stayed at Redding a couple of times. It can get a little bit rowdy. Depends on how and why you like to go camping. If you're there for the silence, um, you're not going to get it at Reading, but it is a pretty good spot. They have 27 spots there to camp on. They also, though, they have toilets and showers and it's a nice clean, at least the last time I was there, things can change. Um, but it was a really nice, clean little, um, bathroom area where you could shower and go to the bathroom. Um, kind of centrally located there. The thing about Reading, it has a good river access. I mean, it has like steps down to the river. Um, it's a great place to launch your kayak, your canoe, your whatever. If you were like floating yourself, if you're self-shuttling your own equipment on the river, but like it's tight, there's not 
a ton of like beach space. Let's call it beach. Let's say gravel bar. It's a river. There's not a lot of gravel bar space going on at Reading. So when you have, and there's always going to be, the spots are going to be maxed out. When you have 27 groups of people, most of them are families at Reading. Every time I've gone down to Reading, stayed at Reading, or floated through Reading, because you do pass through there um, when you're heading down river, there are lots and lots and lots of people taking up all the space. Um, basically anywhere you could look, there are people like if you want to sit down there and fish, um, or just kind of catch some rays, like it's not, not really primarily suited to that, but it is a good access to the river and it is a nice little campground. Um, like I said, it can get a little rowdy. Um, as far as concessioners camping go, Turner Bend and Birds, um, are the two that are up in the section of the river that is the most floatable. Um, between the two, like, I'm going to be honest about both as much as I can, knowing full well that they may listen to these. I love the people at both places a whole lot. I've spent a lot of time up there and I've stayed at both. I try to split time, honestly, because I want to be fair about who I give my money. I'm, I'm such an idiot. I'm a nerd, guys. I don't know. But like, I want, I want to support both equally because I've had great experiences at both. There are some pride, you know, some very intrinsic differences between the two and I'm going to line them both out right here real quick um at birds birds has a little bit of everything they have absolutely prime river access I mean they've got okay I don't even know how to put a number on it but I'm sure they have more than a mile of of riverfront access several gravel bar type areas where you can go down and you can fish, you can swim, you can lay in the river, you can put it, I mean, you can carry your kayak to one end of birds, put it in right at the edge of their property and float it down to their takeout and, and, you know, have a pretty decent minute on the river. It's a long beach access. It is in my opinion, by far, like the, it's not even questionable, the best access to the river that you can get. Um, they have camping from RV camping all the way down to primitive camping. I always primitive camp there. Um, they have good access to a lot of the side-by-side trails. Um, they, I mean, God, they have music festivals some weekends. You have to be on top of things. If you want to go to birds, you should pay attention um, and check their calendar and whatnot. Because if you want to go camping for the more quiet experience, you know, you're not going to want to go. Well, you probably wouldn't even be able to go on a weekend. They're having a big festival. So, you know, be on top of that. Don't just show up one day um, because it might not work out that way. Um, they have fly-ins, like bush pilots flying their planes. Like it, it's a really happening, hopping spot. They have an amazing restaurant. Oh God. They have an absolutely amazing restaurant. Oh, I'm going back this weekend. By the way, I'm going this weekend. Just FYI, I'm going back to the Mulberry. I wasn't even planning to do this episode this week. This wasn't what I was going to choose. Um, I was actually planning on trying to do an overnight on the Buffalo this weekend, but I think the water's going to be right if it continues to fall um, in the manner that it is. And I think we may even have a little more rain in the forecast. It may be just right. But so like, I'm already like salivating over a burger and fries from the restaurant. They have a great restaurant. Um, Here's the drawback to birds. It is incredibly busy if you want a little more relaxed and quiet experience, depending on where you set up. If you get primitive sites and you camp far down towards the end, towards the fields, toward the grass fields where they land planes, um, one of the airstrips where they land planes, you can get away from a lot of that noise. Um, So to be fair about that as well, but it can be noisier there. But they have the best river access by far and absolutely can put your butt on the river. They got kayaks aplenty. They got anything you need. They have it. They are kind of full service there on the river. Um, It's a good place to stay. Turner Bend. I love Turner Bend. They are like they've been around a billion and a half years. Like they're literally older than dinosaurs there. Not the owners, but just legacy wise. Turner Bend has been around for a billion and a half years. You can quote me on that. That's an exact number. Um, They're putting you on the river. They've got the boats. They've got the canoes. They've got the kayaks. They've been doing it for a long, long time. Um, And I try to use them as much as I can, like I said, just to be fair to, you know, pass the money around. They make some really great sandwiches. 
They have some great deli sandwiches. Actually, I think they have a sandwich called the Almost Famous Sandwich. I could be wrong about that. It's been a minute. Um, I've camped with them a few times. They have a neat little campground, and like, but they don't have a ton of great river access. As far as like, if you're camping and you just want to go put your butt in the river and throw your line out or just catch some sun, um, they don't have a great river access from camping. Their main river access is really just the steps they've built, and they're really cool. But they have these really big old rock steps that have been built down into the river to get your um, personal watercraft in and out. They will shuttle you. They'll take care of you. They got their little store. It's a great little place. It's a neat little place, and it's a much quieter experience as far as camping goes. They do have fewer spots there, um, but they don't have great river access. Um, it's right on highway 23, right at the bridge and everybody, I mean, it's where all the bike riders go, man. Everyone stops there over the weekend because as they call highway 23, the pig trail, it's where all the guys on their motorcycles and gals on their motorcycles, everyone's got to stop in there. It's a good place to, uh, wet your whistle and grab something to eat before you finish your ride down the pig trail. Um, Turner Bend's a really cool place and I absolutely absolutely think you should give them some of your business. Um, and then there's one more that I want to mention that I have stayed with. They're much further down the river. They're a lot closer to the mouth, kind of a lot closer to the confluence with the Arkansas river, even though they're not all the way down there. And that is Mulberry river outdoor adventures. I got to know them personally when I, the very first time I stayed there, the, the owner and his wife and his kids even like, there's some really, really cool people. They're still my friends on Facebook to this day. And I don't know. I just love those guys. I had a great time up there. And they're a great place if you are a side-by-side rider, if you're an OHVer, and if you have an RV. They have, let me see, I sent him a message and asked him so I could accurately represent them and what they offer up there on the river. Um, and they have a great river access. I'll say that right up front. They have a great access to the river. I fished up in there. Um, it's a great access to the river. And I even did some astrophotography from that beach the night, one of the nights I stayed there. Um, but they have 19 RV sites. They also have multiple tent sites. I think they kind of do a dispersed camping kind of thing when it comes to the primitive camping and they will rent you tubes. They're not putting you out in boats. They're not doing the whole shuttle thing, but they do have tubes that they can rent you. Um, and it's a great place to stay guys. Like they are a good viable option because if you're traveling from anywhere that you have to go up interstate 40 to get onto the Mulberry river, um, it's like, 40 minutes, 35 to 40 minutes from 40 to get to Turner Bend. And then 45 is going to get you on to birds and on up into like the wolf pen access and places you could stay. These guys, Mulberry River Outdoor Adventures, they're right off of Interstate 40 up Highway 215. I'm talking like a mile or so. And they actually, they have good river access and they're only about 30 to 35 minutes from birds and Turner Bend. So if you want to stay there and you want to take your RV there, and I didn't think about this because I don't have an RV, but this is something to take into account. If you have an RV and you don't like particularly care for driving that monster up Highway 23 and all its little switchbacks and hairpin turns, it might be a great place to kick it as is that um, at Ty and Christie's there at Mulberry River Outdoor Adventures because they're right off the interstate. And then you can drive your vehicle that you pulled that monster RV up in there with 30 minutes up the road and do your actual floats on the river if you're wanting to get on the river. Um, and they also have access to a lot of OHV trails there. I see pictures on Facebook all the time from Ty there where he's out adventuring, finding waterfalls and all kinds of stuff all over the place. So they have great access to the OHV trails and they're super nice people, super reasonable rates. So those are the three main concessioners. I feel that I have represented all three of them accurately and fairly to the best of my ability. And now I'm going to talk about some of my stories from the Mulberry River. Um, two years ago when I started going all the time again, like I, you go, like I said, at least once a year, every year, you have to. It's, 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 it's law. It's a bylaw. It's one of those ancient laws that nobody knows about in Arkansas. Like I think in Texarkana, you can, um, beat your wife 
but only on Sundays between two and four o'clock on the steps of the courthouse. I believe that's accurate, or maybe it's all day Sunday after church. I'm not sure, but you know, those guys, it's also in Texarkana illegal to ride your horse. This is true story. It is illegal to ride your horse in Texarkana, Arkansas slash Texas, um, slash Louisiana, whatever in two different States at one time. Look that up. If you don't believe me, look it up. But anyway, it's law in Arkansas. You have to go to the Mulberry River at least once a year. Just FYI. But I started going back regularly, like every other weekend for a while. And at that time, I was hopping between um, all three of the places I mentioned. I typically end up staying more often than not at birds. The reason I end up always staying at birds is because there is a primitive spot right above some rapids on the Mulberry I mean, literally above them, like 20 feet off the water. It's a primitive spot. Man, I shouldn't be telling you all this. I ain't going to be able to get my spot no more if people start listening to this. Um, two tr- trees perfectly spaced to hang my hammock, and I can lay there and rock in the breeze to sleep to the sound of the rapids over the Mulberry River. It is a great little spot, and many nights in the summer is one of my favorite things Um in that area. And I love this spot because I don't have to walk far to see it. I can just take my chair back 20 feet and be at the top of the little bluff there. And in the summer, oftentimes there are just thousands and thousands of lightning bugs and they float. It's interesting because they don't go all the way down to the river level. Again, you're like 15 to 20 feet, maybe above the level of the river on top of this little bluff where you can sit and watch this. And what's so interesting about it to me is they don't go down to the river level or really anywhere in between. They're right out in front of you. Like, let's just pretend the bluff that you're sitting on just extends all the way across. It's like they're floating over a pasture. And it's so surreal to watch. It is a really, really magical little event that goes on there. And they just float. All night long, just back and forth. And there's literally, especially when they get really heavy in the summer, I'm talking like thousands of them. And between seeing them and the millions and millions of stars above you, because this isn't quite dark sky park status area, it is really close. If you ever go to the dark sky park map, this is one of the dark, dark grays before it turns to a complete black showing um, no light pollution. This is, it's pretty dark there. There's not a ton of light pollution. It's a good, it's a good place to go look at the stars and do your astrophotography. But like, I remember one night specifically sitting there on that bluff, watching the fireflies, the lightning bugs drift lazily 20 feet above the river, eye level with me. And they were almost indiscernible from the stars above them. Like it almost blurred together. And it was just a really, really neat experience. I remember specifically that night, too, that there were thunderstorms, um, little pop-up summer, overnight type of summer showers, little thunderstorms popping up all night. And the moon came out that night, and it was a bright, full moon. And, oh my gosh, the moon over the river, the lightning bugs over the river, the thunderheads that were just piling up into the sky to either side of the moon, like it looked kind of like a painting, or something out of a movie, or a book you read once. I almost feel like I've seen it before. It just, it was just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, And it's great because you can sit there, and you can watch this until you're done with that, and walk back over to your fire, wait for your fire to burn out, climb into your hammock, and listen to the rapids, and listen to the Mulberry River roll, and wake up the next morning, go down to the bend, Get you a little morning bath in ice cold water. Maybe do a little fishing. Wake up. You can go up if you feel the desire and have a great breakfast. Their cafe. And then get your butt put on the river and spend six or seven hours. Eh, Probably not that long depending on how high you can put in. A lot of times that changes based on obstacles that have washed into the river like strainers and down trees. Um... But get your butt put in the river and spend four or five hours running class one to three whitewater rapids. And for me, like, this is how I like to do this. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about this. This is what I like to do. 
I take my little ultralight rig that we've talked about now so many times in so many different episodes. I take my little ultralight rig and I take nothing else but twin twirltail grubs. The vast majority are white and then a handful of dark green ones. Um, And then I'll take two super, super ultralight. I forget if it's like 316th. I think it's 316th out. Um, ounce buzz king buzz baits because they're also largemouth bass in the mulberry and you will find lily pads here and there but the best absolute best day you can ever spend in my opinion and of course this is going to vary from (laughs) in between individual users but for me you run that rapid you blow through that rapid and you run that dude and then you spin out at the bottom and let it back you up onto the gravel bar And you sit there and you get out and you get about chest deep in that water and you start throwing those grubs into the edge of the current and letting the current carry them into the natural um, hydraulics and the natural eddies and then pull pound and a half, two pound smallmouth out of that damn river all day long. Y'all, the smallmouth fishing on the mulberry is so, so good. When it's on, it is on. I remember last year, Early in the year, in the last hour and 15 minutes of my float, and I think I was taken out. I think I was with Turner Ben that time. Yeah, and the last hour and 15 minutes in, I caught 27 smallmouth in the last hour and 15 minutes. I caught like 12 or 13 of those in one little fast run, one little shoot of water. It was every other cast. My thumb started to actually literally bleed a little bit from lipping those fish. It is absolutely wonderful fishing so you go in you run the rapid you enjoy the hell out of it then you get out and you fish the rapid the bottom side of the rapid you catch the smallmouth until you don't catch one for three or four cast and okay you're done there and then you take back out on the river you have all day and multiple people to fall in with i've met so many so many cool people over the years i have some good friendships um and relationships, good relationships with people that are going strong to this day that I met on the Mulberry River three years ago um, and kept up with. I know people from Dallas, from Oklahoma City, like you get them from all over up northwest Arkansas, of course, people that are still my friends to this day. I still get together and do stuff with some of them occasionally. Um it's a great place to get to know people. It's a great place to make friends. It's a great place to fish. One of my favorite things to do, this is like, this is one of my very favorite things to do in the outdoors anywhere ever, but especially on the Mulberry River. It's top of my list. Um, one of the named rapids on the Mulberry is Jumpstart. Jumpstart is kind of this place where as it is when it pulls and drops on these mountain runoff rivers, you're going to have pull and drop. And whenever you get the drop, that's where you get your rapids. Well, this one in particular, it pulls into a pretty large pool. And then it all kind of bottlenecks into one little area that's not much wider than your kayak or your canoe or whatever you're taking through. And it basically shoots you out the other side. It funnels all the water into this one little pull and drop. And this drops like maybe a foot, two feet max. It's just a little tiny waterfall, but the way everything comes together and, and they call it jumpstart because it's a jumpstart. It will fire you out this other side like a gun and it's really cool. It makes me think of old school baseball or softball pitching machine where you drop the ball in and the two spinning wheels, when it gets to those, it fires them out. That is exactly what jumpstart is like for a canoe or a kayak. And like 90% of the people that go through it wipe out. And that's why I love Jumpstart. That is the best way, in my opinion, to spend a Saturday afternoon in the heat of summer, if the water is right, is run Jumpstart, pull over, pull your boat all the way up out of the way. Get your fishing pole out, and you sit there, and you fish the bottom of that rapid, and you catch crap tons of smallmouth and wait on people to come through. And when they come through, 80% of them wipe out, and then you can help them out. That's what I love to do. I've met so many cool people doing that. Just spend the afternoon, just spend an hour or two hanging out a jumpstart and helping people catch their beer, catch their coolers, catch their children for God's sakes. Um, it's, 
I don't, it's just a really cool place to get to kind of hang out and meet people and talk and be friendly and fish and just stay cool in the water. Um, that's just, that's just one of my favorite things ever to do on the Mulberry river. And honestly, in the wilderness at large, that's one of my favorite experiences is hanging out at jumpstart. Um, there are multiple named rapids on the Mulberry. One of them that you should be aware of is called the sack. Um, it's got a much longer name than that. Sack is short. It's for whatever that larger name is. I've seen it. I can't spell it and I'm not going to even try to pronounce it. I have no idea the story behind it, but I actually intend to find out this summer. I'm going to be asking people up on the river what that name, where it came from. What is its etymology? Um, the sack will mess you up. I have seen it mess people up. It has messed me up. The sack is a real thing. It's like the only one to my knowledge that actually has a sign, a big old sign up in the trees as you approach it coming around the bend says the sack ahead, letting you know it's about to get real up in here. And it does what basically happens. The rapid runs straight into a giant boulder in the middle of the river. Um, My former brother and sister-in-law, like they had a nasty wreck at the sack several years ago. Like we were cleaning up that mess for a while. Like it was, it was a pretty bad deal. Um, they got banged up pretty bad. The sack will mess you up, but it just, essentially it's kind of a shoot. It's not really a shoot, but it's a rapid that, that accelerates you on a descent and then fires you straight into the side of a boulder. Like you have to be fairly skilled you have to have a little bit of upper body strength and know how to read that river. And when you come out at the bottom of the descent before you hit the boulder, you just have to you just have to dig into it and try to shoot around it. And sometimes that's not possible. One of my closest calls that I've ever had. Um, you know, we talked about what happened there at Natural Bridge several episodes ago. I've had a few close calls. If you're a, you know, if you're an outdoors person, you're going to have some close calls. Like one of the closest calls I think I ever had was right there at the sack. And I had a single person kayak at that time. Um, well, I say that I still do. I had a sit in at that time, which I learned early on. That was a big mistake because if you're not doing it with a spray skirt, like a for real sit in, like don't waste your time. Um, but I'm have a sit in kayak and I started into the shoot, kind of the descent down into the pool that goes into the boulder, the sack. And I thought the people ahead of me, it looked like they were going to clear and everything was going to be okay. And as I started in, it turned out things were not going to be okay down there. And they had a little bit of a kerfuffle going on. And so I tried to, because I wasn't all the way into the rapid yet, started trying to backpedal a little bit to slow myself and give them a chance to clear before I went in. And that went south. Um, essentially the kayak, I turned to the side and it turned under and what ended up happening, I still can't reconstruct it to this day in my head because it all got crazy. It was like a washing machine for a minute there. What ended up happening, the end result was I was in the middle of the rapid going down with a whole lot of water pushing me down that way, wedged between a really large rock in front of me. And I was facing looking right at the sack so that my back was facing upstream. I couldn't see what was coming from behind me right in the middle of the rapid. I'm pinned between a very large rock and my kayak, which is setting broadside on me against my back. And I'm about neck deep in water. I mean, it wasn't like so extreme that I just had like my nostrils showing. No, it wasn't that bad, but it was still scary close. It was up in my neck area and it wouldn't take much shifting for it to be over my head, right? We're talking six inches here, four or five, six inches. And you think water is heavy? Water pushing on a nine foot, four inch kayak that is broadside in the current against you? like a sail, like a ship sail, that is really heavy. And I was pinned. I was wedged. There was nothing I could do for a minute. And I think I do really well usually um, in stopping myself, slowing down and thinking through situations. I've always been pretty good at that. This time I got real close to being like, ah, oh, shit, this is it. Like this is it. But I did stop myself. I did take a deep breath and I started thinking immediately, I have to do something quick 
because there are going to be people rounding this bend behind me, coming in, not being able to stop, and they're either going to get turned over and we're going to have a huge mess or they're going to have to plow right through me and I'm in between my kayak and this big rock. You know, this is just not good in any way, shape, or form. So start thinking about the situation. Start trying to figure out how I was going to handle it. I tried wedging left, tried wedging right, could not get the kayak to come loose from me. It was like current, it was caught perfectly broadside in the current against me and it didn't want to go anywhere. Um, and ultimately I, I was, I don't know how long I was in there. It seemed like a long time, but again, we've talked about how when things get tight, time can slow down. I don't know how long I was actually in there before I, I made the decision and found out how to get loose. But it felt like it was too long. I was getting concerned about, I'm about to get plowed from behind and this is going to get way worse. So finally, I realized, I was like, okay, I can't get loose left. I can't get loose right. The only way to do this um, is to go underneath it. I'm going to have to, because the way it was situated on my shoulders and the back of my head, it was more on top of me than really kind of perpendicularly broadside to me and I thought the only place that I have leverage is to slide out from under it and that could get ugly like I'm gonna choose to go underwater under this kayak in the sack and then I'm gonna have to go into the sack without anything I'm not gonna be in a vehicle you know any kind of personal watercraft I'm going in floating this is just not good but that was the decision that had to be made because I had to get out of the rapid. I had to get out of the situation because it was only going to get worse the longer I stayed there, right? So I did exactly that. I finally made the call like, well, it either ends here or it's about to be over with. So let's just get this done. Took a deep breath, pushed myself down below as hard as I could, and basically almost did kind of like a swim move in American football to work my way under it and let it go over the top of my head, which put a big old nasty cut on the back of my head is that molded plastic scraped past me but it came loose and took off into the rapid in front of me and I came loose and was able to come back up and make it out it wasn't pretty I lost a lot of good stuff that day you know but it's better to lose stuff than to lose yourself and we got out of there but that was close call I'm just you know what that was my little personal anecdote but I'm just trying to tell you the sack is for real. And when you see that sign up in the trees, that says the sack ahead, make a good decision. Be a good decision maker. Get around the corner, look at your line, eyeball it and decide if you want some of that and just be prepared for what's coming if you do want some of it. And if you don't want some of it, beach then and go around it. That's all you got to do um, is portage or portage, depending on if you're Canadian or American, just portage your way around it. It's not going to kill you to walk around it if you have to. Um, In non-related news, but talking about the sack, really great fishing hole for smallmouth is on the underside of that boulder on the other end of the sack. After it's made its way around it, that's a great place to set your butt down and catch some fish out from under that rock. They like to hang out underneath there because you got all those bait fish and also like Bud Lights and Coors Lights and fish are kind of alcoholics. Nobody knows that, but it's true. Um, Hanging out down there waiting for all that stuff to come through the rapid and it's a great place to catch fish um when we're talking about speaking of critters on the mulberry talking about fish and whatnot we do need to talk about water moccasins for just a second it is kind of known for that especially the lower end of it where the water gets a lot more calm and there are less rapids and they're further between getting closer down to the river it's kind of known for water moccasins because they are there are a lot of them it's a wild national and scenic undammed river and it's way back in there in a lot of places it's situated in farmland um the private land that is there most of it's in the mountains there there are absolutely a lot of water moccasins you will see them um and the main thing i want to talk about with them i don't want to beat on this and i don't want to spend a ton of time here right up front you need to know i am phobic of snakes and i ain't even embarrassed to tell you that i'm a grown-ass man and i ain't embarrassed i am phobic of snakes resulted from a childhood event that maybe we'll talk about someday but like to this day like good example you guys ever seen like chris angel that mind freak guy he was big back in the day he might still be around but he could quote unquote levitate you know he's a magician freak people out no like that is that's a trick okay just in case you guys didn't know 
street magicians, all that stuff. None of that's real. Those are tricks. No, I, me personally, Justin, the wayward son, whatever, I can levitate for real, real. You show me a water moxin, any snake, God, any snake. I don't care if it's a freaking garter snake and it catches me off guard. I can float. True story. I have witnesses. Um, so I want you to know up front, I'm terrified of snakes. So everything after this has some context for what I'm going to tell you. There are a lot of water moccasins on the mulberry, and that is a true statement. But there are a lot of misconceptions about them that I'm going to go over real quick. And um, basically end all of this. I'll tell you the end from the beginning. I'm going to tell you at the end to leave them the hell alone and don't kill them. You're in their world. Let them be in their world. And you just respectfully mind your own business and get past them. Um, but let's let's talk about them real quick. They're easy to misidentify, okay? Because they're big. In the old ones, they get to where they lose most of their banding and they're basically black. They look like big black water snakes. It's hard to tell them apart from a regular water snake. Um, but the biggest things that really are going to be the most obvious to you. One, number one, there's a reason they're called cottonmouths. If they go defensive and open their mouth, that's a scare tactic, not a, I'm about to bite you, but a warning that I will bite you if I have to. Um, and their mouth is very white, especially compared to their dark scales and skin. And that's why they're called cottonmouths. That's the most obvious thing. That's what they are called colloquially all across the Southeastern United States. But the main difference between them and water snakes that you can tell, a non-venomous water snake that you can tell at a real close, at a glance, is they have very angular, triangular, diamond-shaped heads. They have very angular heads where water snakes that are non-venomous have very round heads. Water moccasins' eyes are like cat eyes. They are slits. They're vertical slits is what they look like. Non-venomous water snakes have round pupils. That's something you can see from a decent distance and be able to tell if it's venomous or not. If it's if it's venomous, if it's got slits for eyes and an angular head, that's a water moccasin. There ain't another venomous snake in the water that's anything other than a water moccasin. Um, the younger ones still have the bands, and they're very obvious, even though those can be confused with banded water snakes. The best way to tell is by the shape of their head and by the slits in their eyes. And basically... What I want you to know is, you know, you've always heard water moccasins are aggressive. I talked to an actual biologist about this. And if you want to argue about it, you can argue with biology. Then I Googled it and I double checked what I heard from her on Google. They have done tests. They've done scientific tests to test their aggressiveness. And basically, they're not as aggressive as we all think they are. But they are willing, by all means, to stand their ground just like a rattlesnake will, just like any venomous snake will, they don't mess around. They will stand their ground. You're in their world. They feel like they have the right to it. And they, by all means, do have the right to it. That's when they're aggressive. So basically, don't mess with them, and they won't mess with you. Most instances, they're not going to come after you. I have been in cases, personally, myself, where I saw a water moccasin that felt like he was after me. It felt like it. He came across that pool after spotting me or I spotted him. I could see him underwater and I felt real certain he was coming right after me. But science says that is not common. Mostly you're provoking them. If they, if you're going to get bit, you're provoking them. And a lot of times in the testing, when they were being provoked, even then they didn't bite. They did like defense mechanisms and tried to get away. So what I'm trying to tell you is don't kill all the water moccasins unless they're like a threat to you or your children. That's where I draw the line. When it becomes a threat to a human being, especially outside of their environment, like say it was in my backyard, we're going to have an issue. But like in their world, just stay away from them and let them be. Let them do their thing. Um, Essentially, what I gathered from the biologist and what I gathered from the interwebs after the fact is... When it comes to water moccasins, don't start no smoke, won't be no smoke. Just simple as that. Just leave them the heck alone. You're in their world now, Grandma. Leave them be. Um, but they are there. Be advised. You know how to recognize them. And oh, also, one last thing that you see argued on Facebook posts and other social media posts the world over all the time. Will they bite you underwater? Fact. Scientific fact. Yes, they will. But 
or they can. They absolutely can. That's always the question. Can you be bitten underwater by a snake? Yes, you can. But again, it's like if you step in the middle of one on the bottom of the creek, like watch where you're going. The mulberry is a clear river. Unless it's super high, it's a clear river. Just be mindful. They're trying to stay away from you. You just try to stay away from them. Let's see. What else? What's next? What's next? We talked about camping, right? We talked about the different concessioners, the different ways that you can camp on the river. you got all the different places. Okay. When it comes to actual floating the river, Turner Bend will put you on. Birds will put you on. They both will also shuttle your personal kayaks. I'm imagining they'll shuttle a canoe too, but for the freaking life of me, I can't think of why anyone would own their own canoe when you could just buy a kayak. Um, oh my God. I, if I ever have Canadian listeners, I love y'all. I love Canadians a lot, but they are all about the canoes y'all. Um, there's a great podcast out there. I used to listen to a lot. I haven't in several months, but called paddling adventures radio, Derek and Sean, those two cats, they're up there in Canada. They paddle for real paddle. They like do like week long paddle trips up in the freaking Canadian, the, the great white North. eh? like, they're all about canoes. They don't care so much for the kayak thing. But to me, like, God, why would you carry that heavy freaking canoe when you could have kayaks? Two kayaks for the price of a single canoe by far instead of, oh, well, we can fit two people in the canoe. You can fit two people in two kayaks too. But anyway, I digress. They will shuttle you around or you can do the wise thing, buy your own kayaks and stuff and shuttle yourself. If you have two people two friends, and two vehicles to take, you can shuttle yourself. The Mulberry River has multiple access points. I printed out a little map here so I could do them in order and get it all right. You can put in an access at starting on the, well, I guess the river really runs east to west more than north to south, though it does end to the south eventually. But east to west, starting up at really the first floatable portions of the river, you have Wolfpin, Little Mulberry, High Bank, Indian Creek, then you have Birds, Adventure Center, then the Redding Campground that I talked about. The very next one available is Turner Bend. You see all three of those are right together. Now, they're not together mileage-wise. There's distance between all three, but they're all right in that kind of heart of the river area in the rapid area. Um, past Turner Bend, and this would be forced service. The next three will all be forced service accesses, and that would be Big Eddie, Campbell Cemetery, and Mill Creek. Um, Campbell Cemetery you can camp at. I'm unsure about Mill Creek. I tried to Google just to see. I've never been there. Um, but I know you can at Campbell Cemetery. All three of those are access points, and you can pick anywhere on here. If you have two vehicles, you park one at the bottom, take both of your kayaks, or if you have a trailer, however many you're taking, upstream um at birds or turner bend you would probably pay to access the river to put your your personal watercraft in but redding indian creek any of the others are u.s forest service accesses it's not going to cost you anything and you could shuttle yourself you have those options those are all things that you can do and those are the accesses in order i'll say them one more time Wolfpin, little mulberry high bank indian creek birds redding turner bend big eddie Campbell Cemetery, Mill Creek. Um, if you're into hiking, if you want to camp up there at any of these places, or also you have the Mulberry Mountain um, Lodge. I'm, I, God, I should, where's my iPad? I need to Google that. I don't want to, I've never stayed there, but they've got this giant lodge up there just up from the junction above Turner Bend where you can turn and go to birds and head toward Oark. You can go on up. And they've got this big lodge up there. I've never been there, but they host a lot of events. I've seen a little bit about them here and there. And I'm sorry, guys, if y'all are listening, I didn't mean to leave you out, but I've never actually done anything with you. So I couldn't really give you a good review as it is. But hey, at least I can shout you out and say this is up there. And if y'all want to check them out, Google it. Um, But of all these different things, you can do a lot of hiking. Hiking, okay, as far as hiking goes, there's the Redding Spyrock Loop. Well, we mentioned Redding, so if you're camping down at Redding, Redding Spyrock Loop is in the cards. It's not a, like, it's not like a little sweet little thing either. It's it's a real hike. It's 13.4 kilometers, and you will gain 359 meters in elevation, which is 1,177 feet. Um, that's a long hike with a lot of climbing, y'all. Um, 
And also, you have basically 35 miles of Ozark Highlands Trail that you can work with. Basically, the entirety of Stage B. Part of Stage A, the last part of Stage A and the entirety of Stage B are in this area of the Mulberry. Um, and reasonably accessible to get on those Ozark Highlands Trail. Um, tangentially, I wanted to look at how long the whole trail is. If you wanted to do the whole Ozark Highland Trail, um, it would be 252.2 miles and you would gain 7,200 meters in elevation. Essentially, you're going to climb up 23,622 feet in elevation worth of steps and you're going to do it over the course of 252 miles. That'd be a heck of a hike. I just wanted to throw that out there because that's just that's just crazy. Um, but you have plenty of places you can hike up in there. I've seen people doing some hiking now, and I think mostly they're doing this by side by side. Um, and this segues well into the next little thing I want to talk about. If you're into photography, hiking and photography, you do have waterfalls here. And one of those waterfalls is up behind that Mulberry Mountain Lodge area, the best I can tell. And it's a couple of mile hike. I didn't really look into it, but there's 60 foot falls, which is a great photographic opportunity back there. And then you have High Bank's Twin Falls, which is also, why is that not on here? I did High Bank. At High Bank, just up the road from High Bank, you can hike like a three quarter of a mile trail. I don't even think it's that long. It's like a third of a mile up to a twin waterfalls called High Bank's or High Bank Twin Falls. So you have photographic opportunities you have lots of hiking opportunities all throughout the area i've talked about how much fishing there is the fishing is awesome you have multiple places to camp and kind of choose you know kind of pick your poison what do you like a nice quiet camp you can hang out down at mulberry river outdoor adventures you can hang out at turner bend you could probably do i'm gonna say i bet wolf pen doesn't get too crazy with only six spots and just a toilet a vault toilet. I bet not a lot of people are kicking it there. I've never stayed at that one. Um, or you can go to Turner Bend where there's going to be a whole lot more people. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more noise, but a lot of people to talk to, a lot of friends to make, great river access. You have all kinds of things you can do there. And, you know, right at the heart of all of it is the Mulberry, the Mighty Mulberry. Well, it's mighty part of the year. The Mighty Mulberry River designated once again a national wild and scenic river it's absolutely beautiful it's got so much it's so much fun the rapids are so much fun if you catch it in the f1 in the formula one level of the river 2.5 to 4.0 um guys it's 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 a great time you know just be mindful of the dangers possible water moccasins leave them alone they'll leave you alone um watch out for the sack and um yeah in the end, go. I highly urge you to go. That's what it's all about. We want all y'all to come see our beautiful national forest, our beautiful Ozark Mountains, and our beautiful, wild and scenic, undammed rivers that we have right here in the state of Arkansas. We want to see all of you come do it. Just don't mess up our stuff. I want to tell you guys what. I will find out who you are. I will get, I know people. Like, I'm in search and rescue. I have good friends that are with sheriff's office. They have connections. Like, I find trash out there. Like, I'm going to get DNA ran on that. I'm going to find out who you are, where you live, and the bags of trash that I pick up when I'm out hiking that I take and throw away instead of throwing them away. I'm going to bring them to your house. I'm going to dump them out in your front yard. Don't mess up our stuff. If you come, we want you to come. Definitely come spend your money here. We definitely want your money. But don't mess up our stuff. This is a beautiful, beautiful place. There's a reason Arkansas is called the natural state. We are very proud of it, and we want you to see it. Just don't come jacking with our stuff. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, I think that pretty much sums up everything I have to talk about. Guys, I got stories and stories and stories about the Mulberry River. We could talk for hours about things that have happened there, things that I've seen there. Um, but really I think we've already pushed an hour, if not longer. And I have covered all of the high points that I wanted to. I talked about the river, talked about the fishing, talked about the camping, the hiking, the, you know, the photographic opportunities, all the good people up there that are concessioners that deserve your money. If you come, I think that we have pretty much knocked it out for tonight. So I am going to wrap it up there and I would like to say thank you all for coming back. Um, and listening yet again, and I hope to see you again next week. Uh, 
Next week, hell, I may have a story next week about whatever happens on the river this weekend. We shall see. Um, please, by all means, guys, I want your stories. Submit them to mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Um, go over to the website, waywardstories.com. You want to get to any of my social media pages. You can go to Instagram. You can find all kinds of stuff over there. We got a lot of stuff going on over at the website. Please, by all means, wherever you're listening to this, whether it's iHeart, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, do not care. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us get noticed. That helps us get into other people's ears. And that's what we are after. Um, and if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can do that. Patreon.com forward slash wayward stories. And as always, 20% will go to a charity. The rest will keep the lights on here in Studio 119. And until next week, y'all, as I always say, be good to each other and get out there in the world. Find something good, something that you can do that can make a difference and make the world a little bit of a better place. We here at Studio 119 would like to remind all of you out there listening, wherever you might be, that though the hill might be steep and the trail be rocky, the mountaintop awaits. Carry on.